This is God's servant Dilip Koshikoshi. I am the pastor of Revelation Church. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I pray that you will experience the power of God's word in all its richness and glory today. May your faith be revived, your mind be renewed, and your body be healed in Jesus' name. Let's pray and get into the word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we look to you. We come before you, Father, to listen, to receive, to hear, to receive instruction, to learn, to be corrected, to be changed, to be transformed. This is, a, this is our place of confidence when we sit near you, when we sit close to you, at your feet. This is our place of confidence. And we know that the Spirit is going to reveal to us the deep things of God. That we're going to be taught. We are confident, Lord, that we're going to be taught of you today. That you're going to keep us from error. You're going to keep us from mistakes. You're going to keep us from danger. That we can continue to walk in victory and triumph. In the fullness of all that you have in store for us. Come at every single one of us here. Thank you, Lord, for this gathering. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for what you have in store. Speak over us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We are in the year of rejoicing. Let's read scripture. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts in Christ Je and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things hallelujah amen. amen the holy spirit has been teaching us some some incredible truths um, and we've been looking at the benefits of praying in the spirit the benefits of speaking in tongues and uh, it's good to have reminders it's it's good to have repeated reminders of about these things sometimes we tend to neglect the foundational aspects of christian living and I would say this is uh, such a foundational aspect that is so neglected in the church today. This gift is so neglected in the church today. And we've been looking at the benefits. We've been looking at the importance and why as Christians we must spend time. We must take time out to pray in the spirit. Amen. I hope you all know that we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. Now you, are, you, when you look at each other, you see all flesh and blood and you know, nice face, nice features and you know, good stature, all those things. But you must understand, we are spiritual beings. That's the reality. Amen. And as spiritual beings, we need to be mindful of the well-being of our spirit man. Amen. And we need to be mindful of the well-being of our spirit man. And we all take time, we all take effort to look good, to eat well, to sleep well, to be rested, 
to nourish ourselves, to drink, to keep ourselves hydrated, so on and so forth. We take the effort to, to be well, to be, to be healthy in the physical. And if the reality that says, that tells us that we are spiritual beings, and if, it is, if you are aware of that reality, how much more effort, how much more of attention we must give our spiritual being? How much effort we must take to keep our spirit man agile and alert and, and vibrant and healthy and strong? Amen. And that's why we are spending so much time considering some of these things which help us. We, which is helpful for our spiritual edification, which is helpful for our spiritual strength, the, the nourishment of our spirits. Are you with me? Amen. So we cannot, we, cannot, uh, we cannot ignore these things. You know, food, water, sleep, exercise, all those things are, is a good thing to take care of our bodies. But we need to give higher priority, a greater priority for the things of the spirit. The Bible says bodily exercises profits little. But godliness benefits us for all times. It's profitable for all times. So it is, it is stupid to live negligently towards our well-being of the spirit man. You must understand today also it was spoken. I think when Brother King was ministering, it was spoken that this is just a, an earthly tent. You mentioned something on, the, on those lines. I, I, I heard it in my spirit. This is just an earthly tent. The body that we have is just an earthly tent. How much time we, we spend nourishing the earthly tent? How much effort we take to beautify the earthly tent? The earthly vessel, the Bible says. Earthen vessel, earthly vessel. But the, what we carry a treasure, the Bible says. A treasure on the inside and that's what really matters and soon like we, we heard today soon we're gonna we're gonna put on the immortal we're gonna put on the incorruptible we're gonna shed this earthly tent I hope some of you are I, I, I hope all of you are aware of that we're gonna shed this earthly tent your six packs by the way we enjoyed that that amazing joke Fantastic. Great sense of humor. <laughs> all the six packs and the family packs and the tetra packs, all those things are, are going to become irrelevant. Amen. Hallelujah. When I say hallelujah, praise Jesus. But what matters is the, is the built the stature, the inner man. Hallelujah. Now the, for this we labor to present every man complete in Christ Jesus. The fullness of the stature of Christ into a mature being. So let's focus on the treasure on the inside. Say treasure. Say treasure. Put, put, your, put your hand on your, on your belly and say treasure. treasure. A little over will be a, a different type of treasure. But I'm talking about the treasure, the, the spirit on the inside, the spirit man. 
That's right. Rivers of living water, where it resides, where it, com- where it comes forth from. Amen. The inner man. The real you. Yeah. Hallelujah. And while we live on this earth, yes, it is important that we take good care of our body. But that's a topic on itself. It's a different topic. But far greater in significance is the consistent edification of the spiritual man. Which affects everything. Which even affects the, the body that you have. So we've been, li- we've been learning how to constantly edify and repair and strengthen the inner man. And God has given us a wonderful gift. A wonderful gift. A wonderful gift. God desires for each of us to use, this, use that gift. Which is beneficial for us. The inner man. Greatly benefits when you pray in tongues. Amen. amen. Can I hear a louder amen? amen. From all of you who, who desire, who, who are speaking in tongues, who desire to speak in tongues, I want to hear a louder amen. 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 So last week we looked at the instruction in the epistle of Jude that, will, that how we can build our holy faith and how we can separate ourselves from the mockers within the church who cause divisions, who are worldly-minded, who are devoid of the Spirit. And speaking in tongues separates you. It separates you from those who are devoid of the Spirit, those who are worldly-minded, those who come in to bring divisions, those who are mockers. But they have crept into the church unnoticed. Those marked for eternal condemnation. You must understand how important is this gift. Praying in the Holy Spirit is an important aspect of your living. Hello. Are you all here? Praying in the Holy Spirit is an important aspect of your spiritual living. And the Holy Spirit is telling you over and over, again and again, repeatedly, reinforcing the importance of this one gift. And this passage even connects that gift to the coming of the Lord. As you wait anxiously for the mercy of the Lord Christ to appear, you build yourself up, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself preserved in the love of God. Hallelujah. Let's read that passage one more time. Jude verses 17 to 21. Jude verses 17 to 21. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words. I like that, start, starting that phrase. But you, beloved, it separates us from the, the, the category of people who are being discussed in the previous verse. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you, in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lust. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. Again it says, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Amen. I hope you have rearranged your schedule. 
I know that some of you have. And I'm hearing testimonies of how things are changing, things are moving, how, um, you know, you're already seeing the benefits of how, uh, you know, just by rearranging your schedule, just by prioritizing. How breakthroughs are happening already. I'm talking about people in this church. Those who are diligently, you know, getting into this, praying in the spirit. I hope you have dedicated time for praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues regularly. I hope it has become involuntary for you. Something becomes a habit, it becomes involuntary, it becomes impulsive. The moment you get up, you, you know that you have to connect to the Spirit. You are in that mode. You have to pray without ceasing. You have to maintain that connect with God. It's become impulsive. It's become something that, is, that flows out of you all the time. And you don't struggle to make this a part of your life. I hope it's a habitual routine in your life. Is it a habitual routine in your life? Build on those things. And for those of you who, who do not have this gift yet, I hope you are pursuing it with a greater desire. With diligence, with the assurance that God will give it to you. With the assurance that God will give it to you. Now, I like the fact that this is called a gift. How many of you like to give gifts? How many of you like to receive gifts? That should have been the first question. We all like to receive gifts. What is, you know, if you're, if you're really in the, in the mode of giving gifts, you don't really bother about what's the occasion. You will find we have a lot of fathers here, okay? Fathers, parents, mothers, fathers. A good father does not really have to wait for an occasion to give something to his children. Or her, I mean, the mother, the, her children. Love is the motivation to give. Right? We have two seats up here. There are two seats here. Can you just move to that side? Then and then. Love is the motivation to give. Correct? Not the occasion. Hey, occasion is just a, a context. But what motivates you to give? Love is the motivation to give. So the Holy Spirit this is a spiritual gift, which, which means it comes from the Holy Spirit. This gift, He gives it out of love. You don't have to wait for your next birthday to finally ask God for this gift. Are you with me? You don't have to wait for the next birthday to ask God to give you this gift. You don't have to even wait for the next Sunday. This is very important for you to understand. For those of you, especially for those of you who have not received this gift, don't, don't, don't wait for that event. Don't wait, wait for that fasting prayer in church or that uh, crusade or that power conference. Because it's the Father who is giving the gift. And His motivation is love. He does not wait for an occasion to give. He is always motivated to give. He's a good giver. Amen. Hallelujah. So let your inner man be edified. 
Amen. Let your inner man be edified. Receive from the Holy Spirit what is due unto you. Amen. Let your inner man be strengthened. Let the repair happen. Let the repair happen. The spiritual being needs repair. Let it happen. And build yourself in, on your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Now praying in tongues, I'm going I'm to mention a couple of things and I'm going to move into something else today. And praying in tongues, we already discussed this, causes you to overcome the limitations of your prayer life. Let's accept that. Praying with your understanding has its limitations. Because your understanding has limitations, that's why. Human understanding has its limitations. So praying in tongues helps you to overcome your limitations. It transcends the limitation of your mind. You don't know what to pray. But when you pray in tongues, it transcends the limitations of your mind. It transcends the, the limitations of your emotions. It transcends the limitations of your will. It transcends the limitations of your desires. It transcends the limitations of your experience. Many times our prayers are you know, shaped by what we want, what we need, what we desire, what we like, what we crave for. But here is a gift which will help you, help you transcend all those limitations. You don't know how you ought to pray. With your understanding you have a set pattern. But you don't know how to pray, whether it is right before God, whether it is but you depend on the Holy Spirit and He helps you pray. Phrase it right. Amen. Transcend the limitation of your knowledge. Transcend the limitation of your, your vocabulary. And it, that's why it, the Bible says it builds you up spiritually. It will, now speaking in tongues will enrich you. It will enrich your life. You want your life to be enriched? Speak in tongues. Pray in tongues. It causes your spirit being to glow. Hallelujah. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying, of, laying on of my hands. Some version says, fan to flames the spiritual gift. Some other version says, stir up the spiritual gift within you. Some other version says, keep ablaze. Now, how do you do that? How do you stir your spirit? How do you keep your spirit man ablaze? Those of you, those of you who speak in tongues know how. When you speak in tongues, that's what happens. You're stirring up your spirit. A shaking happening. Your spirit being glows. So lavishly use this gift. There are, this gift benefits you. This gift profits you. It builds you up. It propels you into greater things. This, this gift can make you efficient in ministry. You know, I encourage everyone who's in, involved in ministry. Every single one of you involved in any form of ministry. You want to see a marked change in your efficiency. You want to see a marked change in the way you minister. Get into speaking in tongues. 
and be regular about it and you ask ask people who been used of god mightily in signs and wonders supernatural miracles and all kinds of happenings you ask them what's the secret and they will tell you one of the things they all will tell you the same thing and that's why paul also said the one person who's been used of god more than anybody else in the in the new testament section of the bible he said i thank god that i pray in tongues more than all of you he was revealing a secret okay how come you have a, such wonderful revelation how come you have such a depth in your writing how come your words are so weighty he told it openly i thank the lord that i speak in tongues more than all of you and you want the lord to use you in a way that you never thought before get into this gift move in this gift use this gift it edifies you now it makes you efficient whatever you do in life it makes you efficient it helps you to cut through it helps you to cut through so i'm going to park this topic here hoping that it has inspired some decisions and there are other things that i would like to turn your attention to let's go back to a meditation on jude and uh, we looked at a few verses and i also urge you to make your own in-depth study into this epistle just 25 verses 24 verses 25 verses that's right so i hope you've started or you've you've done that already and let me read those few verses again that we read last week for certain persons verse 4 for certain persons have crept in unnoticed those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation ungodly persons who turned the grace of our god into licentiousness and deny our only master and lord jesus christ you must understand that jude was writing this epistle with a sense of urgency now you you might you i mean i wondered why why such a small that's the only letter that he has written i mean at least the only one that is part of the the scriptures then the one letter that was picked to be part of the canon that part of the scriptures is such a short writing just 25 verses and you must wonder why and we have other letters in the bible which are long so many chapters and so many verses but this only 25 verses and you must understand the context jude was writing out of a sense of urgency now you don't you don't make long writings when you are trying to convey a, an urgent message you keep it short right so you must understand the the sense of urgency but this this letter is fully loaded in 25 verses it's fully loaded with instruction it's fully loaded with warning it's loaded with perspective it addresses a thing that jude intended to address without fail he he, not, he does not mince words he does not waste his words the short messages are i mean short messages were not really in fashion those days today some of you would like the brevity of it because we are so used to short messages but this was like clearly out of place a short letter 
You would like the letter because of the shortness of it. But I hope you will pay attention to the, the content. In minimum words, he conveyed so much. And in fact, I like this part. When he started off his, this letter, he said, I was intending to write to you about something. I had something, I had a running theme in my heart. When I took the pen to write to you, and I took all the effort to write to you about that. What is he talking about? Let's read that. Jude chapter 1 and verse 3. Beloved, I was making every effort. He was making every effort, say every effort, to write to you about our common salvation. Common salvation. He wanted to write, he wanted to have a, a letter which is something, uh, which is common ground, which everyone in Christendom can understand. Some basic doctrines of Christianity. I was, I took all the efforts to write to you about our common salvation. What does he say? I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you Contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Hallelujah. So he had a dear topic and the common salvation, our common salvation. He was, he took every effort towards writing that. He did his research. He had his notes. He spent time collecting information about that. He read the scriptures maybe to have his letter. Now those of you who, who prepare uh, sermons or writings, you, know, you, took it, you take time to do your research. You compile notes and you have a script in place. So this man had a script in place. And then it says, God changed the script of the letter. I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing to you to contend earnestly for your faith. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to change what you intend to write, what you intend to say, what you intend to speak, <coughs> what you intend to convey. You might have a set pattern in your mind. You would have taken all effort. You would have taken, you would have done your research. You would have done your preparation. But the Holy Spirit wants you to be available so that He can change the script. So what comes forth will be relevant. We are so stuck to what meets the eye. We are so stuck to what is dear to us. Now we are so stuck to, uh, you know, what is easy for us. Probably Jude, for Jude, Jude it was easy. He has done his research. He took all the effort to do it. But then God said, no. He pressed upon him a necessity to write appealing to his readers to contend earnestly for your faith. The Holy Spirit showed him, revealed to him a crisis situation which must be addressed immediately. Now I hope you feel urgency. I hope you feel urgency. When you pray, I hope you feel urgency. When you minister, I hope you feel urgency in the Spirit. I hope when you prepare, you feel an urgency in the spirit. A changing of script happening. Hallelujah. Now allow the Holy Spirit to change your premeditations. 
God is speaking to some of you here. Allow the Holy Spirit to change your pre-meditations. No, allow him. Give him access to correct your line of thought. And you cannot guard your line of thought so dearly. You have to give access to the Holy Spirit. You might think that is right. You might think that is the time. You might think this is relevant now. But allow the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit. He wants to interfere. He wants to intervene and correct your line of thought. And bring to your mind something that is relevant and urgent in the spirit. So that the readers, so that those around you, so that those you minister to, so that those whom you fellowship with will benefit. Let him have sway. Let the Holy Spirit have sway. Let him have sway over your emotions. Let him have control over your inclinations. Don't be so rigid before the Holy Spirit. You know, I like what, what was shared today morning. I was, I was not aware what she was going to share. Uh, but Nisha was sharing when she, before she started to pray. Empty yourself. And the same thing was shared by Brother King. I was so blessed by what you shared today. You know, when you were talking about, you know, you have to be in that place to receive the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the knowledge of God. In your will. The understanding of God's will. You have to empty yourself. You cannot, you cannot mix your decisions with God's decisions. That's right, emulsion. Emulsion is the process where it mixes together. You mix two liquids, but where it stands separate because of the difference in viscosity. God's decision and your decision cannot mix together. You want God's decision, you have to empty your decision. You have to pour out before God and ask the Lord. Be willing. Now Jude was willing. Now Jude took all the effort. He made all the preparation. He had something set in his mind. The Lord said, no. You're going to write about this. Pressed upon him the necessity to appeal to his readers to contend earnestly for your faith. Many times we are not effective in a Christian walk. You know why? We so dearly cherish what's in our mind. We so dearly cherish the thoughts of our mind, the dreams of our mind, the aspirations of our head. But the God that we serve, he wants to break in. He wants to pulverize your thoughts. Bring every stronghold down. That's why the Bible talks about bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because these things can become strongholds in your mind. So don't, when you sit with the Holy Spirit, don't flash him your experience certificate. See, look at this. I'm Jude. Who's Jude? You must know who's Jude. Who is Jude? Okay, let's read. Huh? The brother of James. Who is James now? That's right, the brother of Jesus. So who is Jude now? That's right. Jude is the brother of Jesus. So if you were Jude, or if I were Jude, I don't want to blame it on you. If I were Jude, 
If somebody were to ask me, who are you? I would say, I am the brother of Jesus Christ. Because that gives me credibility. Correct? That gives me credibility in what I do, what I say, what I speak, what I intend to do. It gives me a backing in my ministry. You know, I have, I have you know, all the other disciples of Jesus, all the apostles, they've only seen him at a certain age onwards. But this man grew up with Jesus. He probably would have shared the same bunga with Jesus. Came out of the same womb. Fed on the same breast. So that's the man's credibility. So Jude can sit there and when the Holy Spirit comes to me and says, see, listen, brother of Jesus, so what I want to do, I'm going to do. Don't interfere with what I'm about to do because I'm the brother of Jesus. Let's look at how we start the letter. Jude. Look at that. Jude, a brother of Jesus Christ. Maybe a typing mistake or something. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. So those who are called beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. So he does not want to, he does not want to put any pretense. He does not want to put any accolade in the way, any credibility on the way of him receiving from the Holy Spirit. That's right. No earthly connections. Nothing of the flesh. Nothing of the flesh. So when you sit with the Holy Spirit, don't flash your experience certificate. Don't flaunt. I've, I've, I've been walking with the Lord so many years. I've been a pastor for seven years. I've been, I've, been, I've been to the Bible college. I've ministered to thousands of people. I've counseled people personally. I've written so many songs. I'm a music producer. I'm a worship leader. I'm a preacher. People know me as that. If you're going to sit before the Holy Spirit like that, you're going to miss out. And none of the things that you've done in your life, in the entirety of your life, matter. Doesn't matter. What matters is what, whether you are hearing from the Holy Spirit in that time. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Man is going to live by, not going to live by his experience. Man is not going to live by saying how many years you've been a Christian, when you got baptized, how many hours you have prayed, how many people you have baptized, how many people come to your church, how many uh, people you have ministered to, how many people you have led to, the, led to the Lord. None of those things matter. When you sit with the Holy Spirit, the only thing that matters is, are you hearing the voice of God clearly? Is it coming clearly? Have you put down your guard? Have you, have you discarded your pretense? Have you emptied yourself so that you can receive from God? That's right. Lay down your ego. Yeah. 
One, 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 one thing that as Christians we must never do is try to justify ourselves. Now the vindication comes from the Lord. And if you're right, the Holy Spirit will vindicate you. The other thing is called self-righteousness. It has filthy rags before our maker. Does not stand. Amen. The brother of Jesus. Incredible title to have. But he called himself a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Discard the weight of your experience when you're before the Holy Spirit. That's an unnecessary weight to carry. The weight of your experience. Discard the weight of your ego when you sit before the Holy Spirit. Your high standing, your credentials, all those things, lay it all down. Lay it all down. Come before him without pretense. Come before him without your pre-planned decisions. Without your made up mind. Be open before him. God wants you to be open before him. The one place you must be vulnerable is the presence of God. One place that you must be tender must be the presence of God. And that decides how you live your life in every other place. You know, so, so now you can sense the necessity how, how Jude felt. The necessity to, to change the script. The need to change the script. The need to make correction. From your well prepare, prepared, um, you're taking the effort, line of action. And as he sat before the Holy Spirit, Jude would have felt the Holy Spirit taking over his hands. As he held the pen in his hands to write the letter, he would have realized the necessity in his heart flowing through his arm. As the Holy Spirit took control over his pen and he began to write, I felt the necessity to appeal to you to contend earnestly for your faith. So this letter is not about what I wanted to say. It's not about what I desire to tell you. It's not about my premeditation. It's not about my favorite topic. It's not about my dreams. It's not about my desires. It's not about my inclinations. This is what the Holy Spirit pressed upon my heart. I felt the need, the necessity to appeal to you. You must be like that in your ministry. You must be like that in your ministry. You must be like that in the way you live your life as a Christian. It's not about you. It's not about your thoughts. It's not about your desires. It's about the Lord. Beloved, I was making every effort to write you, write you about our common salvation. I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. Hallelujah. The word contend earnestly for your faith, it means to agonize for your faith. And like what Brother King was, share, was sharing today about the, the pastor's heart for his church in Colossia. He struggled. He labored in prayer. 
Here the instruction is to contend earnestly for your faith. To fight for your faith. The word, the actual word meaning is to agonize. That's what it means. To agonize. To bear the agony concerning your faith. Now, when you, when you, when you see the word faith, it is not talking about your, your belief. It's not talking about your, your trust in God. No. This word faith here means the set of doctrines that you're teaching. The entirety of your teaching, which has been handed down to you by the apostles, by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Contend earnestly. Fight. Agonize. Don't let nothing touch that. That's the need of the hour. And you must understand that's the need of the hour. Now wishy-washy Christianity does not have any relevance anymore. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. It's a matter of life and death. The presence of God or hellfire. That's what it is about. Why must we contend earnestly for our faith? Because the enemy will attack our faith. He will attack our faith. By faith I meant, I, I told you, it means whatever has been handed down to you. The teaching, the doctrine, the soundness of understanding. The enemy will try to attack. That's why we must contend earnestly for our faith. Why? Because for certain persons, verse 4, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now this is, you must understand a little bit of context here. What's the context in which he felt this necessity? Now Jude, like most of his contemporaries who wrote letters at that point of time, now they were all, they were all trying to separate. They're all trying to fight against and stand up to this deluge of deceptions and delusions, as you said today. Wrong teachings, false teachings. Corruption in the understanding of God's word. And this was, he was particularly addressing a type of Gnosticism, if you know what it is, Gnosticism. Fundamentally, the Gnostics believe, uh, they don't believe in the deity of Christ. They don't believe in the divinity of Christ. They don't believe that God can come in, in human flesh. And one extent of that extreme of that teaching, that kind of a, a false religion, you know what it is? Everything is possible. How your flesh leads, you can live. That's a type of, that's a category of this, this, uh, this Gnostics. That's why Judah is writing and saying, you know, those ungodly people who kept in unnoticed, they turn the grace of our God. Now, what is the grace of God? Grace of God is what empowers you to walk like Jesus. Grace of God is what Christ had. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The same grace that he had when he lived on this, this earth, which he has given us now so that we can live like Christ, walk like Jesus in purity and holiness. So now here, here we have a set of people who have crept in unnoticed. 
Hallelujah. They've crept in unnoticed into the church. And what are they doing? They've turned the grace of God into licentiousness and lewdness. So whatever the flesh wants, you can follow your, the passions of your flesh, you can do it because we have the grace of God. And that's not the grace of God. The grace of God has nothing to do with you doing anything that you want to do. The grace of God has everything to do with you doing what God wants you to do. It's the ability of God in your spirit being to do what pleases Him. It's the ability of God to live holy even as He is holy. So now we have a set of people saying, you can do whatever you want. Because we have the grace of God. They've turned the grace of God into lewdness. In the licentiousness. Now, basically, that teaching that approves of anything and everything that the flesh likes. That sounds very cool, right? How, how cool it is to be a part of a church where everything is allowed. Everything goes. No standards. Where God's word is diluted. Where instructions are blown out of the window. Come have a good time. Feel good. Enjoy the music. Grab some snacks. Go and come back next week. Let's have a good time. There's no relevance for teaching. There's no relevance for teaching on wholeness. There's no relevance on teaching on purity. There's no relevance on teaching on the standards of God. That's why Jude said, contend earnestly. I need to appeal to you that you have to contend earnestly. You have to agonize for your faith. We're not talking about something that is happening in the world. We're talking about something that has crept into the church. If it was the world, it was easy. You just build a wall. But now it's in the church, within the four walls of the church. You're dealing with situations which are contrary to the standards of God. The necessity, the urgency to deal with heresies and false teaching. So even today the danger is that we need to be aware of this. This is the danger that we must be aware of. A seeking for approval to please the flesh. And that we see in churches today. That we see in fellowships today. That we see in, in Bible colleges today. That we see in um, teachings that are coming out today. A seeking for approval for the things of the flesh. A dilution of the standards of God. A lowering of the standards of God. And slowly and steadily, the standards of God will be pushed back. Will be pushed back. Let's not try to be forward thinking. We need to be upward thinking. Look upwards. Where Christ is. Let your mind be there. Not here. This whole talk about being liberal and being forward thinking and being modern and uh, you know, we need to change with the times and the trends. 
the bible does not give us space for that we are called to hold on to the standards of god our most holy faith there's no way we can compromise on that now it, it 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 means we have to live a, a life that is we set examples we set standards for the world to follow hold fast to the standards of god hold dear to the faith which was handed down to us and grace of god is the empowerment to stay there is the empowerment of god to stay there to keep the high standards of god let's read uh, galatians chapter 5 verse 16 and 17 but i say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you if you're driven by the flesh you want to do the things that you please but if you're driven by the spirit if you're walking by the spirit the spirit and the flesh are in opposition why so that you will not do the things that you please the grace empowers to walk by the spirit the grace of god works in conjunction with the holy spirit's leading in our lives these are the sons of god those who are led by the spirit these are sons of god those who have been graced of god jude was 5 Now I desire to remind you though you know all things once for all that the Lord after saving a people out of the land of Egypt subsequently destroyed those who did not believe ouch Whew. look at the way it is constructed it says now I desire to remind you though you know all things already though you know all things once for all I desire to remind you that's how the holy spirit does now some of us are like that we know all things already the holy spirit says i wish to remind you uh, you might be sitting before god like this i already know all those things but god is saying no i wish to remind you something else that's what the bible says the things that happened in the old testament are for example as an example to us remind it to us And sometimes the things that we know can become so useless. The knowledge puffs up. It puffs up so much that it can become so useless. Your knowledge is of no value. What matters is the discernment of the Holy Spirit in being able to apply what you know at the time, at the right time, in the right context so that you can live a life without error. Now I desire to remind you though you know all things once for all now mere head knowledge is unprofitable mere head knowledge is unprofitable if you going to go by the text you going to err we got to find them and apply them to the situations that we are facing and that's the work of the holy spirit only the holy spirit can help us do that see 
Jesus was led to the to the wilderness, led by the Spirit. To where? To the wilderness. For what? To be tempted by the devil. And he came to with a came to him with a set of scriptures. All in all correct. Spelling correct, grammar correct, reference correct, everything is correct. The only problem is devoid of the spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit. Don't neglect the work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot detach the voice of the Holy Spirit from the word of God. That's why the letter kills but the spirit gives life. If you're going to rely on the letter, it kills, it destroys. But what gives life is the spirit which helps you understand how to apply the letter. You know, it's life to all those who find. You got to find the Lord after saving a people out of the land of Egypt subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. Now why this reminder? Why? Why this reminder? It seems completely out of place for born again believers. Why should born again believers have this reminder? Why should this be part of the epistle? And that to the last epistle. An urgent epistle. The Holy Spirit is reiterating something. Christian life is always about believing. That you keep on believing. John wrote his gospel, which is almost like an epistle, and he said, These things are right that you keep on believing, that you don't stop believing, that you believe and believe and believe and you stay believing. Now, Christian life is all about believing in the things of God, in the standards of God, in the word of God. You gotta keep believing. Those who believe are preserved, those who fall away will be, will be. That's right. The Bible does not hide that. Those who believe will be preserved. Those who fall away will be destroyed. We have an Old Testament example. So when it's all said and all that matters is whether you're still believing. When the Son of God comes and the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? On this earth. By the way, the scripture is full of this reality. First Corinthians 10 and verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. It does not take much to make a person fall. We heard about that today. Delusions. That's like a spell. comes in the most subtle of ways to bring a person down. That's why all through the Bible we see the instruction for a Christian is to remain alert and vigilant, to be sober-minded, to keep your eyes on Jesus and never to take your eyes off Him, not to rely on your own flesh, to be diligent, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Hallelujah. Pay close heed to what the Spirit is saying. Don't put your guard down. Do not be a forgetful, but an effective 
One more time. Do not be a forgetful, but an effective. Unless you do the word, it does not profit you. Listening the word has its benefits, but the profit comes by doing the word and staying in the word and living by the word. I was talking to our youngsters a couple of weeks ago during our focus meeting. And we were talking about devotion. I hope you, those of you came would remember that. It's talking from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. We are looking at that scripture. Talking about devotion to Christ. But I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. <laughs> Say your mind. It's about your mind. What dwells in your mind? Finally, brethren, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, if there is anything, let your mind dwell on these things. Dwell on these things. But I'm afraid, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds, he's talking about your minds, everything is in the mind, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. You know, anything else that you bring, into, you bring into that equation, Anything else that you bring into the equation of your devotion to Christ. You try to add to your devotion to Christ with anything else. You know what it is? It is complexity and impurity. Your focus must be Christ. Consumed by Him. All about Him. Nothing but Him. The moment you bring this and that into the picture... It, it makes it complex. And that's how the devil works. He leads you astray. He leads you astray by craftiness. Let's keep reading Jude chapter, I mean Jude verse 5. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So it talks about his own people. Okay? First the Bible talks about his own people, God's own people. And then he talks about his angels. And then he talks about men who have, like, you know, completely been depraved. Three categories. And he says, all of them alike will enter in the judgment of God. Let's read that one more time. Now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. And angels who did not keep their own domain, their station, where God appointed them to be, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as 
Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them since they in the same way as these indulged say indulged in gross gross immorality and went after strange flesh are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire hallelujah specific incidents in the bible where depravity and lawlessness abounded and the reminder to us that god's judgment awaits anything that is off the standards of god will enter into the judgment of god that's why we must be careful we have to agonize when we have to agonize we have to feel the pain of keeping this faith we have to feel the pain of guarding our our purity of devotion unto christ you think christian life is all about being having goosebumps all the time no it's not about that the joy is on the inside we heard about that today and, and even brother ben was ministering it repeatedly at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore in his presence there is fullness of joy that has come to us but this faith it takes agony to guard it it takes pain to guard it take pains with these things be absorbed in these things so that your progress may be evident to all if you're going to sit back and relax expecting everything everything will go okay no it's not going to go okay you have to be on the guard verse 8 yet in the same way these men also by dreaming said dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties which men are we talking about who which men yet in the same way these men which men which men the men who crept in unnoticed who turned the grace of a god into licentiousness ungodly men no but the bible calls them i will call some dreamers dreamers they are disconnected from reality sin will disconnect you from reality delusion will disconnect you from reality deceptions will disconnect you from reality from the reality of god the world and all that you see is passing away is not it is not true it's fading away it's not the truth but what remains is the eternal truth of god dreamers another the influence of deception is diagnosed when a person disconnects from reality when a person the person who is deceived he becomes a recluse pulls back isolates himself the bible talks about that in in proverbs 18 and verse 1 he who separates himself seeks his own desire he quarrels against all sound wisdom that's right adam and eve isolated themselves hid themselves they didn't want to come to the open they didn't want no fellowship quarreling against sound wisdom the bible some version says wages war against sound wisdom that's a dreamer according to the word seeking his own desire 
and sound wisdom will not appeal to a dreamer goes on to say defile the flesh you know what happens to a dreamer by dreaming by lusting by imagining vain imaginations that is they seek their own desire they create their own world with their own set of rules with their own set of laws causing them to be indulgent resulting in the defilement of the flesh pollution of the mind and corruption of their deeds a sin becomes normal insensitive to the reality of godly counsel the lies are norm the disobedience is easy there's a place where the wrong is okayed you you put the tick against the wrong I was going to say, reject authority. So these these dream, they are dreamers. They defile the flesh. They reject authority. A sure sign of deception is rejection of authority. Everybody wants to become their own pastor, their own teacher, their own mentor. Rejecting authority, rejecting the voice of correction. God is a God of order. is a god of order yes. he has established order in the church he has established offices in the church and he follows divine order and the authority which god has placed in your life is for your safety and for your wellness Amen. like you said today praying honestly Can you read that scripture one more time? Never find yourself in a conversation despising or rejecting godly authority. I'm warning all of you here. Never find yourself in a conversation or a discussion rejecting authority, despising the voice of authority. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf, and for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face. that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding resulting in a true knowledge of god's mystery that is christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge i say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument for even though i am i am absent in body nevertheless i am with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ therefore as you have received Christ Jesus the lord so walk in him having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men according to the elementary principles of the world rather than according to Christ for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and in him you have been made complete and he is the head over all rule and authority hallelujah persuasive arguments deluding influences and god has kept people in your life god has placed people in your 
in your life to keep you Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account goes on to say let them do it with joy let them do it with joy not with grief for this would be unprofitable to you I encourage every single person here to not ignore the authority over you. Choose to be under the covering of an authority. That's your choice. That's the choice that you make. The Bible talks about that. It's, a, it's the order of God. And you cannot despise it. You cannot reject it. The rejection of authority is a trait of those men who have crept unnoticed into the church. But you, beloved, you must not be like that. But you, beloved. Who was going to talk about, they speak evil of dignitaries. Other version says, mock angelic majesties. They insult angels. Insulting angels. Okay, how do you insult angels? Who are angels, by the way? Let's talk about that. Who ministering spirits, okay. Keep going. Same verse. Ministering spirits. The rest of the verse. Ministering spirits sent to us to, for our service. Those of us who have inherited or inherit salvation. So these are angels. So these are, okay, let's read that scripture, by the way. I think I have it. Yeah, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits, talking about angels, sent out by whom? By God, to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. The Amplified says, Are not all the angels ministering spirits sent out by God to serve, accompany? Do you know that you have angels accompanying you all the time? Whether you like it or not, you have angels accompanying you all the time. Even if, you, even if you go to the bathroom, angels are accompanying you. They don't have a choice. They're given charge concerning your life. You have angels protecting you from, in every turn of your life, angels are given charge to protect you, to keep you. Watching every step that you make in life. Some of you don't even know, we have angels. Now we feel so comfortable. When nobody is there, we don't know. Angels are watching. They're given to you. They're sent out by God to serve you, to accompany you, to protect you. And how do you insult angels? By despising their role in your life. That's how you insult angels. God has sent angels with a charge, given a command concerning you. And when you live a life that is not worthy of what God has done to protect you, to keep you. That's insult to angels. It's like you employ somebody and don't allow that person to work. You all can understand, relate to that. You're given an employment, you're given a job in an office, but you're not allowed to work in that place. What is that? That's an insult to your service. They say you're a security guard for this place. But you're not allowed to be, do that. 
you're despised that's an insult to you being the security guard you're a teacher in your school but you're not allowed to teach that's an insult to your profession so here it talks about these dreamers these who these people who defile their flesh these people who reject authority and they insult angels they mock angelic majesties by the way they live their lives now these are all it's all given to us as instruction so that we will not be in a place in any of these stacks will not come under any of these things god desires to keep you to protect you to preserve you amen hallelujah let's give thanks father in the name of jesus we thank you for the word that you spoke over us we receive the word in meekness we receive it in humility we receive it that the word has have effect lord the hammer that breaks every rock the fire that consumes all impurity burn within us you you want us to be a people your beloved people building ourselves up in our most holy faith praying in the holy spirit keeping ourselves in the love of god and waiting anxiously for the mercy of our lord for the coming of the mercy of our lord thank you father for what you have in store for our lives we pray lord that this word will will change our perspectives will correct us will keep us will guard us watch over us holy spirit let your name be glorified let your name be glorified let your name be glorified let jesus be glorified let your will be done in jesus name amen hello this is nisha dilakoshi i'm sure this podcast has blessed you do subscribe to our channel for more messages and follow us on social media to stay connected may god bless you